Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. Good to be with you for the next 60 minutes. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You could also chime in via Twitter, hashtag Giants Chat. It is all presented as usual by Coors Light. Glad to have you aboard. We'll take you up till the top of the hour. The Giants just wrapped up their latest OTA, Jeff, and some news and notes from Pat Shermer following practice. Evan Ingram is still nursing a hamstring injury, so they're not trying to force him onto the field where he's going to aggravate something to that degree. So at this point, they're holding him back, and they're trying to get him ready for training camp. And Jabril Peppers and Sam Beal both back out on the field. Peppers was sidelined. He had a tooth extracted last week, and Beal was not with the team for personal reasons. So this is what you get during this time of the year. You have guys coming in and out. I really don't think, Jeff, from your experience, this is anything new at this time of the year. No, but you just have to – people want to know about it. So oh, there we go. I knew there was something wrong there. The power of technology. That's it. Dave just turned it on. Yes. Um, yeah, it's just in divulging information because the press wants to know where these guys are at, why that they didn't – you know, they're not going to get the whole story all the time, but pretty much that's – it's what happens this time of the year. Mini camp, you know, like we said, it's mandatory. This is not mandatory. So this is, gives you the opportunity to miss some days because of tooth extraction, personal days, things like that. So. And even during mandatory mini camp, if a guy's banged up, they're well, not yeah. going to press him yeah. under those circumstances but either. But most of the time, they're here. So, you know, they're not away from the facility. Mini camp, they have to be here, basically, and, and unless you have a really good excuse. Um, you know, Evan Ingram, you have to be real careful with guys like this because you certainly have a long ways to go and you don't want to force him back by any means and because you want him healthy coming into training camp. So that's exactly what the Giants are going to do, along with a lot of other players not mentioned. I'm sure they're going to be real careful with the, the guys so that when you come here in the end of July, you have all 90 guys ready to go. Well, and let's focus on Evan Ingram here, Jeff, off the top, because clearly there's a lot of tension on him. Injury has been synonymous with Evan that's Ingram right. over his first few seasons in the NFL. So that's more of a reason why, if you're the Giants, mm -hmm. the last thing you want to do is put him in a position where he's going to re-aggravate something. And I think, you know, he's embraced this offseason with the focus of doing a variety of things, not just staying healthy, but becoming a more consistent guy that can hold on to the football because he has been troubled by drops here or there right. and also shed some of the criticism that maybe people point to. He's not an overall great tight end that he can block just as effectively as he can serve as a wide receiver. Yeah, I think those are a lot of personal goals, it sounds like to me. And I think that's important for young players to set those types of goals and be able to work towards something to improve on. You know, a few years ago, his rookie year, he had a fumbling problem. So last year and in the years past, he's had catching the ball problem. So work on, on those things. Those, those two right there need to have improvement because those are big plays in games that, you know, you drop touchdown passes, you fumble, you turn the ball over. You don't want those types of things. But I think for him, you know, setting personal goals and, and really trying to be healthy you look at how good he played the last four games of the season when he's healthy. Oh, yeah. It is a big plus for that offense. No, I think the four games that you just pointed out is big. And a lot of people, Jeff, they'll point to, well, it's a small sample size. How much can you read into it? But oh. I, I think you can read into sure. it. And, and here's why, Jeff, for a multiple facet of reasons. Number one, Odell Beckham wasn't on the field. Mm -hmm. And now that they are experiencing life without Odell Beckham, I think the Giants sort of gave themselves a taste of how can we make him a focal point, Evan Ingram, and how can we move him around and maximize his talent? So that's one valuable takeaway, I think, from that period of time. 
Two is you see what he could do when he stays in the lineup consistently, Jeff, and he's healthy and building that rapport with Eli Manning. We also saw how he performed when the offensive line started to improve. So all of those things, I I don't think it was a mirage, you know, that term that Dave Gettleman utilized when monitoring Eli Manning's play and looking at it this offseason. I think there is some substance there, but to any of the critics out there, any of the skeptics, yes, you want to see more than just four games. There's no doubt about that, but that doesn't mean I don't think that you can have some solid takeaways from what he did over those four contests. Well, if you look back when he was healthy, when he was a rookie and he came into some of those games and played we were really excited about it well he was healthy so the problems you run into Evan Ingram is when he has not been 100% and you know things have happened but I look at those last four games and him personally got a lot of confidence if you're if you're if you type if you have that type of production and, and carry it over to the next season it's all about confidence level. And I don't care what position you play in the National Football League. It's all about having personal confidence on how you play and how successful you're going to be. Because if you, it's just like anything. If you're dropping balls and you're fumbling, you're kind of second-guessing yourself. But if you go out and have four good games and catch some touchdowns, hold on to the football, have great production, the team is going to let you know about it. Your fans are going to hear about it. The fans are going to let you know about it. And you're going to carry that over into the season. Well, now he's had a little bit of a setback with an injury bug again. Get get healthy again and come back for training camp because we want you fresh on, in September when we're ready to go. Well, I think what you're emphasizing is that short-term memory philosophy, Jeff. Where That's you, correct. you got to be able to put bad, negative plays behind you. I mean, listen, even you can attest to this as a punter. No, Sometimes, you, right? You know, you don't have the greatest punt, the bad uh, snap, but now you got to say, hey, the next time you come out, it's a thing it's of over. the past. It's yeah. over. Correct it. Fix it. Um I had a coach that used to tell me all the time, you know, don't tell me about the storm. Just bring the ship in, will you please? <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. I don't care what you do. Just I want you. I want production. I want. I want you to do this. I don't. I don't care about the last one or how, what's happened. Oh, I my my you know I, my hamstring was. Low. I don't care. Just catch footballs, block well, and score touchdowns. That's if that's from the tight end perspective. <laughs> yes. I don't know what else well, you can do as a tight once end. Once in a blue boot, maybe <laughs> as a punter, though, you could score a touchdown. They're far and few. I'm certainly not blocking or catching passes. <laughs> You're limited in terms of what they're asking <laughs> you to definitely. do. Yes. But you get my what I'm saying. I mean, these guys have to, if they have that type of confidence going forward, it's a, it's a good thing. And remember, this league is tough. And so in, a thir- in your third year is kind of the year where things have to start to turn around because this is when people start to evaluate you as either you're going to be going forward going to be part of this or you're not and year three is that is that I guess is that line in the sand where we decide you know you got he's a, he's a first round draft pick so you got him for a couple more years but the fact is is that we need some some more out of it. I, for me if you ask Evan Ingram I would like Evan Ingram to play at least 13 12 to 13 games next year okay because I mean listen it's I'm not going to tell you that a guy like that can play all 16 games because he's kind of one of those players that just he's fast Okay, his body, he he's plays recklessly. You see how he plays. Those are the type of players that lend themselves to getting injured. So I'm not expecting him to play all 16 games, but I want him to play three-quarters of the season. To me, would be good. 15 games as I look up his numbers in 2017, then 11 last season, dealt with multiple injuries, started to hit his stride late in the year. And yep. I, I think any coach would say you never could go into a season thinking you're going to have everybody for 16 games. Sure. But if he can get into that 13-14 barometer, I mean, that's a huge step in the what right was direction. It, uh, 15 and 11. 15 okay, and so 11. You're, so you're right yeah. around 12 and a half, around in there if you want to cut the difference, right? So I think we're, we're right on. So give me, give me three quarters of the season, 
give me some production. I want touchdowns out of Evan Ingram in that red zone this year. I want them to use him, okay? And I know they're going to use Golden Tate around that area just because he's that little guy that can just get fine, fine space. But stay healthy. And that's what they want to do. Well, I'm with you about the touchdowns. He had six as a rookie. He had three last season. A lot of his production, though, came in those final four games. And he's a huge target. And if this year, Jeff, we just start to speculate, well, Odell Beckham's not here. So the spread the wealth mentality, I think, is a fair way to assess okay. this offense, yeah. right? Yeah. Meaning there could be a game where Ingram goes off. There could be another game, Jeff, where There's going to be. Right? It's all I, about matchups. And, and we talked out. about that before. It's gonna be every game's gonna be different because you're gonna be you're gonna be matching up differently personnel from another team week to week. This team attacks the tight ends in a better way than the team previously or going forward. Okay, so Evan Ingram is not gonna be involved in the passing game all this that much this week. Um we're gonna get Golden Tate or Darius Slayton, whoever's in there. The young guys, Colm, whoever. Um but and maybe the next week it's the opposite. So who knows? And a lot of it, as you just mentioned, is going to be based on week-to-week, week, okay, what can we expose with respect to the opposing defense? We love the secondary matchup against the corners. Correct. This week, we love the linebacker matchup. So, to your point, I mean, that's going to tell whether or not we're going to target the middle of the field, we're going to target the outside, we're going to use Saquon Barkley. Yep. I mean, that's going to vary week in and week out. And the sign of a good team, by the way, Jeff, is also a team that varies its personnel usage and adjusts who it is going to turn to. Because if you just go out every single week, you run the same thing, and now teams are adjusting to you, you're not truly tapping into their weaknesses. No, you're not. You're letting them dictate what's going on. So, and that's uh, The coaches are good enough to, to be able to put a game plan to attack their weaknesses. That's what it is every week, and that's all about football and matchups. That's, this game, that's what this game's all about is your weakness versus our strength and vice versa on defense or offense and then making sure that you can put that team out in the field and compete. 201-939-4513. That is the telephone <clears throat> number. Hashtag Giants Chat. We'll get to some tweets along the way. As you're watching the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, he's Jeff Fiegels. I'm Lance Meadow. It's all presented by Coors Light. Let's open up the phone lines, and we start things off overseas as Harrison joins us from Australia. Harrison, welcome aboard. What do you have for us? G'day, mate. How are you? Good. We're doing very well. What do you have for us? <laughs> I just want to talk to you guys about, uh, about Jones, Daniel Jones. Um, you know, when... When Gettleman picked him at six overall, you know, the whole fan base went off like a tree full glass there. And then, you know, as he's gone into minicamp and um, OTAs and stuff, he started to pro uh, progress quite nicely. And Paddy Shermer's even said, you know, that he's not, um, you know, he's actually been better than what some rookie QBs have been, which I know you can't take too much from guys just running around in shorts and a helmet, you know, pads on, but at least it's good um, signs to hear. Uh, what the question I had was, Last year in the preseason, Davis Webb started the second game against Detroit in Detroit, and he got to play a bit with some of the ones. Yeah. Um, I was just wondering if you guys reckon um, Daniel Jones might get a similar opportunity in the preseason. Oh, there's no question. Absolutely. Um, listen, I, I, you gotta, we, they have to get ready, Daniel Jones ready to play, okay, period, because he's the successor. Okay, Alex Tanney's going to be here, in my opinion, as the backup guy because he's a, he's a veteran, and Coach Shermer likes the veteran players. But in preseason, they're going to get him all the reps he can get, okay? There's going to be a time when he does get in there with the number ones, and it might be the second game like they did last year because they want to see how he, how he can get under center with some of the, some of the, 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 the number one team, 
and we'll see what happens. But I, I, I would say yes. My answer to that is yes. I don't know about you, Lance, but I got to believe that they will. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he will have some ability to, or opportunities, I should say, to work with the ones. Uh, I think that they want to try to expose him to that situation, Jeff. And it's highly unlikely Eli Manning is going to play every preseason game. Highly unlikely Eli Manning is going to start every single preseason game. So then the question is, do they want to see Alex Tanney with the ones? But considering he's a veteran quarterback, Jeff, I don't think that's a big necessity. So if anything, you probably want to give the best opportunities to Daniel Jones and Kyle Aletta. And I would think Daniel Jones is a little bit higher up considering he was uh, early first round pick. So I think they're going to treat him very similar to Davis Webb Harrison. And I'd be very surprised if Daniel Jones doesn't get it at least a series or two with the number ones. Now, that doesn't mean keep in mind that he's going to actually play with every single starter. You know, no. It just means that he'll be out there with the first team, right. and he'll certainly have an opportunity to uh, build some chemistry with those guys. Yeah, so it's because I know last year when um, we played Detroit, you know, Davis was thrown to Shep. He was thrown to Evan Ingram. Yeah, I remember that game. And some of the guys on the offensive line weren't necessarily all the starters. So do you reckon it'll kind of be a mix with the with the pure ones and some of the twos getting reps as the starters? Or like, is that how you guys reckon we'll probably take that opportunity that Jonesy might get? I think that's a safe assumption. Yep. Where you may have a little bit of a piecemeal type of setup. You know, a few starters, a few backups. Remember, a lot of it is going to depend on the health of the roster entering those preseason games, who they feel needs more snaps than other guys. It's it's highly unlikely that you're going to see all four preseason games where every single starter or player that's penciled in to be a starter is going to be out there to begin the game. So you're probably going to see a mix and match. Fair enough. All right, Jeff, Lance, thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Hey, you got thanks, it, Harrison, Harrison, and thanks so much for tuning in from I know, overseas. Appreciate the call. I really don't call. think that, there, that you know, there's no need to have Eli Manning play in many of these preseason games. So then you say, okay, who's next in line? And, and it's just going to be a pecking order because I think that, number one, the fans are going to want to see Daniel Jones, and I think, number two, that the team is going to want to see Daniel Jones too. Yeah, it's preseason, but it's still pro football, okay? Um, there's still things that need to be done. Uh, things that he needs to work on in game situations that you can't do in training camp because of the tackling and the speed of the game. The speed of the game is going to be faster than he's used to. Um, the speed of the game already is faster on the field, but you know it, when you're in training camp, it's not much different than what they are now, folks. It's, it really isn't. Um, there's not a lot of hitting going on and things like this. So they, they want to have him play against some another team and see the speed and how he reacts in their game situations. And I think that they'll... You know, he'll do fine, but he's going to have rookie mistakes just like anybody else. But there's no need for Eli Manning to play in all four preseason games. 100%. It's part of developing players in the preseason, just as Correct. much it is to prepare the guys that are actually going to start day one. And the other thing to look at it in terms of who he's going to be out there lined up with, Jeff, it's important for him to be out there with the ones. Don't get me wrong, but I think it's also important for him to go up against the opposing top defensive players. Correct. You know, it's one thing Probably to Probably more important. I would agree with you there. And I think that's where fans' focus should be on. Let's see what Daniel Jones could do against the top-tier defensive talent as opposed to a fringe guy that's trying to make the roster or is a bubble practice squad player. Right, right, exactly. And I think that that's, you're right. I think, it, and I agree that it's probably more important that if he has the chance to start against uh, the Jets' number one defense for a series or two, yeah, okay, 
Um, but, you know, for the most part, and I, I don't mean to – this, this is kind of like it's all out there, folks. I mean, we don't know what the plan is with Daniel Jones and Eli Manning and things like that. We don't know. Okay, but I, out, of, out of just kind of understanding how things may or may not work, Eli will be the starter on this team as long as this team is doing well and winning. And there's no question in my mind that that will take you as far as you can go with him. At some point in time, if, this, if it derails somewhere – and you've got Daniel Jones behind, they're going to want to get him some reps and play. It's just going to happen. So the first part of that is preseason. You have a chance, and it's a good chance because nothing counts. Throw him in there. Get him some NFL work. Listen, a lot of it, too, Lance, is not all about just the game. It's the game preparation. It's getting ready for the game, the game plan. Now, in preseason, the game plans are not that difficult. I mean, they're not, they're not the big book like every week. They're very kind of just watered down but the fact is is that you've got a whole new system to learn you have a whole new routine to learn at duke he had a routine of you know he had his one of the ball guys coming out with him throwing him snaps and do he has a whole new routine routine he has to learn and along with how the giants do it so that's a part of a learning curve you have to go into the hotel on saturday night and having the meetings with new personnel people it's all new to these guys and they want to get they want to have these guys get used to this type of procedure and that's one part about getting ready daniel jones getting him ready it reminds me of jeff if you remember during the regular season what they would do with davis webb they'd have him come out he'd run like a simulated game that's right yeah in preseason i mean the pre pregame pre pregame exactly yeah so you know that to me is related to what you were just talking about mm -hmm. because it doesn't mean that he can't bring over some of his pregame routine from duke but the schedule, the clock, right. things change. It's not exactly like collegiate football. And it's really not your it's not your pregame. It's it's Eli's pregame. He's the starter. So it's gonna be predicated around him what he's gonna do, not you. So but yeah, you know, they don't alternate reps before a game, <laughs> no, so Daniel can get his work in. That's right. Yeah. No, you, and that's why you know with with uh, Davis Webb, they did it earlier because they wanted him to go through the same procedure as, as Eli would be going through if he was the starter. Um but that that all changes, and I think that you know they're you're right. They can take he can take they all do. They all take some little pieces of their pregame in college and bring it into. Uh, I did I did every you know you just do it every whatever works for you. But you can't bring it all, um, so you have to tweak it a little bit. And I think that it'll be important for him to to develop that type of pregame rituals and things that he has to do early. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's head back to the phone line. Scott joins us from New Mexico. Scott, what do you have for us today? Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Good. Well, Scott. Uh, I'm a firm believer that the road to the playoffs for the Giants is actually through their rushing uh, offense as opposed to the passing offense. And it's sort of borne out by the number of teams that made the playoffs. Uh, if you look at the 12 teams that did, as far as number of attempts, uh, Seattle led the league with 534. Baltimore had 547. The Rams had 459. New England had 478. New Orleans had 471. And by comparison, the Giants with Saquon Barkley only had three, 354 attempts rushing. And there were only three teams actually worse than the Giants, uh, Atlanta, I think uh, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh. Uh, of course, none of them made the playoffs. So there's sort of a magical demarcation line to get some balance and make sure you can run, because if you can't, you're not going to make the playoffs. Once you do make the playoffs, obviously anything can happen. But to get there, you have to be able to run the football. So I was wondering from your perspective, 
How will the Giants' offense be sort of set up so that they can get up to the number of attempts that they really need to have? Because mm-hmm. they ranked 24th in the league last year, and I was just curious uh, what you think they're going to have to do to get those rushes or attempts back up to where they really need to be. I think it's an easy question. Is okay. you got you got to you got to be you got to have fourth quarter leads with four minutes left in the game, and you use those rushing attempts. If you're winning. If you're winning a majority of your football games in the last six minutes of the game, your rushing attack will be – you're going to get a lot more attempts. So you, you take, I don't know, 10 more times 10 games, that's another, maybe another 100 rushes added on to what you just said, 370-something. Now they're up, in the, they're up in that number that you want them to be. Um, so to, I guess the answer to the question is win. Win and watch out for that train. <laughs> right, because yeah. as I said, all these statistics are well over 450 for the top tier teams, and the Giants, with the probably the most predominantly uh, best back in the league, uh, is at a much much lower level, which is kind of surprising when I looked at the statistics. Well, I think Scott, part of that is also just to add to what Jeff said. The Giants struggled converting on third down this season right. and in previous seasons. Well, why did they struggle? Because a lot of the downs were not rushing manageable downs, which means you don't have a great success rate on first and second down. So in order to get your opportunities up, as you're mentioning, you got to be much more successful on first and second down so there's chances to actually run the ball on third down and you're not just consistently throwing. The, the other thing that I would add to your point about the number of carries as I bring up the numbers to me, it's more important about, well, what did you do with the carries? Just like people that bring up time of possession, Scott. Hey, you could hold the ball for 35 minutes a game. Great. Right. If you're not scoring touchdowns with those drives, what good is it if you're putting three points up? So a lot of the teams you brought up, the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Rams, not only are they up there in terms of carry numbers, which they right. all had nearly 460 or better, but they also equated that to 160, 153, and 140 rushing yards per game, respectively. So it's it's not so much volume. What are you doing with the volume? That's just right. as important. Well, the Giants uh, averaged 4.7 yards per they attempt, did. which is actually pretty good for the league. Yet they only had uh, yards per game of 103, which is towards the bottom, you know, bottom tier of the league. So I'm wondering, are they set up to to be a rushing attack type of team? I know it's a pass happy league. But what I'm querying and what I'm trying to concentrate on, getting to the playoffs is the key for the Giants. And to do that, as I've already outlined, these teams have to be able to run the football. And the Giants were able to do that effectively when, as far as the average uh, that they were doing, which was 4.7, which is towards the higher end of the league. So uh, what, what's, what's missing? Is it in the actual blocking that they're doing? Because I was looking at pro football focuses, a rating of some of the blockers on the Giants as far as run blocking, and it might surprise you because they had uh, Will Hernandez, who's uh, really a top pass blocker, but not a very good run blocker, and I know he can improve, so that's not an area. I know uh, both Zeitler and Solder are good run blockers, but if you look at the other side with Remmers, and granted Remmers was out of position at right guard at Minnesota, but his overall rating wasn't that wasn't that great. So are there issues that Hal Hunter is going to be working on to actually improve that statistic so they become a good run blocking force? Well, you hope. I hope and I think, and thank you, it's a matter of first and second downs in my opinion, like you said. Do you got to be better production on those two downs to get yourself in manageable third downs if you have to run the football and convert a third and short, third and one, you can do it. 
third and three, you can still hand the football off. But third and seven, third and six, you're not, you're not, you're not running the football there, unless you're going to give up and just you know punt the ball away. But I think that this group of veteran live offensive linemen the Giants have gotten on this team will help the run game. I think that's the I think that's the indicator. I think the Giants want to run the football because you're right. They have one of the better running backs in the league. It would be a, a shame not to give him the football. Well, and I think that to your point, the more legitimate at bats you have yep. should help the numbers because it's one thing to have an at bat, meaning an opportunity. That that's why I use that baseball terminology in football. But then it's about what do you do with the opportunity, or how reasonable is it, Jeff, for you to actually consider running the football? For example, if it's third and six. Highly unlikely you're going to be running the football. If it's third and four and less, I think that the chances increase that you have the ability to perhaps run the football. So, once again, that's all based on first and second down. And the other thing that I wanted to throw out, Jeff, and, and, and you tell me if you disagree. Scott pointed out that, well, if you look at the Giants finishing with a 4.7 yardage per carry, that's a respectable number. And he's right. They were tied for seventh in the NFL. But they did finish with only 103 yards per game, which was 24th in the NFL. I would argue, and, and this is not me trying to be ultra critical, but I think a lot of Barkley's big runs, Jeff, skewed the numbers at times. Of course times. they did. So meaning, you know, it would be one yard, two yards, negative three, negative two, one yard, two yards, 68-yard rush. And let's face it, that helps make the of average course. look more respectable, of right? Course. So the, the question is, is if, if, if you look at last season, Jeff, would you claim that Barkley's dynamics help look make those numbers look better than perhaps the meat and potato showed over the course of the season. Yes, they did. So I, I think you have to look at it through that way. Now, does that mean that they can't improve? No. I think the Giants going into this season, which is where the offensive line comes into play, the tight end play, Jeff, is, well, how do we become a more effective team on third and two, on fourth and one, where we're confident we're going to run the football, the defense knows we're going to run the football, and we're going to convert. That's where I think they're looking to take it up a notch come this season, and I do think that comes with perhaps better personnel on the right side, but it's going to have to be shown. I I don't think you just insert Mm. Remmers and Zeitler. You could quote me all the pro football focus numbers. It doesn't mean much of anything. I also think that if you can get a little bit more production on first and second down, and take away some of those negative plays at 4.7, even because you know that Saquon is going to have his big plays. He, that's just the way he runs, and it's just the way it's going to be, which is a good thing. But if you can get some good production on first and second down and stay away from the negative plays, that 4.7 can easily turn into 4.950. Oh, yeah. And, and then you have a little more substance, and we could be talking about this next season and say, well, you know, the years past, the years, we look at all the negative runs and, and, and one yard here, zero yards here, but in 2019, look at all the, look at the improvement you had on first and second down in some of the run game. That's where, that, would, that would relate to better production and more winning football games, I can tell you that in a second. Because you know, for a fact, it's very difficult third and long to make first downs in the NFL. It's tough. And all it just predicates itself on those plays on first and second down. The other thing you have to look at, too, is penalties. It's penalties on that offensive line or penalties on the offense that put you in first and long and second and long. So everything kind of correlates into why. You just have to improve on those whys. And I tell you, every offseason, all the coaches, no matter what position it is, if you're an offensive line coach or you're a defensive line coach, secondary coach, you are assined. You almost have like homework. 
you've got to do research projects and you go in and you research that your own position groups and come up with things to improve on. So all these coaches are doing this in the offseason. You're wondering what they're doing. Well, they're getting ready for free agency and they're doing it, but they're staying here late working on a lot of this stuff to try to figure out how we can get better and what we need to do because there there's a reporter. They have to report this back to the head coach and the general manager and the scouting department because this is how they this is how they basically break down their personnel. If if you if we've got a problem in the run game, why is it? And how Hunter is going to have to come up with a report and show us this is why. We can we didn't do this. We had penalties here and we didn't do this. This guy stunk. That's why he's no longer here. This guy is really good and he's getting better and those kinds of things. So sorry to babble on, but that's just the way it goes. Of course, because you've got to go beyond just the surface. You, you sometimes you have to break to it dig. down further. Yeah, that, well, exactly. Well, and Jeff, that's related to during the bye week, why you always hear coaches say we self-evaluated ourselves, right? That's right. That's when they do things like that. Yeah, and because they, they, you know, they're, and also you like to have the defense evaluate the offense and vice versa. Because a lot of times you get stuck in your ways and your tendencies, you have blinders on. And you don't figure out those tendencies from an opponent's standpoint if or offensive or defensively standpoint. So if you're an offensive line, your offense is running this, this, and this, and this, and you need the defensive coaches to say to you, hey, I can recognize this in a mile away because you guys do it every week. I see it. I see it. We need to use that's just something that predictable. Other, exactly. So if I'm a defensive coordinator and I'm evaluating the, the Giants offense, I'm going to look at things that I would do if I was on another football team. And that's what they do. They try to help each other. Now, that's just not during the bye week. They're doing it every week just be able to help each other out. So um, it doesn't always work. Sometimes you overthink things, which, by the way, coaches always do. <laughs> well, even Sean McVay admitted that. The Rams head coach came out a few weeks after the Super Bowl. Oh, that's Bowl, right. Jeff, I watched right? too much film. Correct. He said it was overload. I regretted yeah. doing that. So That's what happens when you get two weeks in between a game. Correct. You give two weeks to a coach, forget about oh, boy. it. boy. He'll lock himself in that room. Yeah, that's then... why they take a week of evaluation, self-scout during the during the bye week, because they can't give them two weeks to do enough just you know game plan for that next opponent. Who's the, uh, the bye? When is the bye? This week? Oh, you know, it's after that, that New England game. Yeah, November. Yeah, that's a Thursday, so they have 10 games. Is it November? It's a pretty late bye. Yeah, I think, uh, isn't it? Week oh, 11, right? Jets. Okay. Yeah, well, right after playing, the Jets game, November okay, 10th. That's right. Yeah. Wow, that is a late bye. Yeah, relatively late bye. That really, as a player, that stunk. I, you, I used to love the bye after like the fifth game. But then wouldn't you regret, then you have to go, you know, 11, no, because, 12 no, straight because games you without... Figure, you, come, you got a month of training camp, you got a month of preseason games, and then you got a month of regular season games. You're ready for a break. And then to finish, you only have... You know what? Thirteen weeks left or twelve weeks left? I don't. Know. I so just, your your mindset is you're considering training camp, no question, and everything you went through yeah, in training. Absolutely. Camp if if you just if you just started everything game like one, September one, <laughs> yeah, then you don't want the buy in week three. No, right. I would. Yeah, yeah. So I'm telling you, it just it makes a big difference because you know what? Not only on the body but mentally, because you've gone you've gone through training camp and and it's a grind. I don't care what, how they do it now or when they did it late. You know, years ago, it's still a grind. And then you have the preseason games and then, you know, you kind of, so it, it's, it's a mental thing. Like after the fifth week, six week, you're ready to take a break. And usually, you know, you get a good five or five days off that, that can do a lot for you. Yeah. Recharge, reset, especially and, if you're having a good season, you know, you're coming off the buy, you're going, you're going into your buy and you're, you know, you're, if say it's week six and you're four and four and two, maybe that would be a great thing. One other stat I want to throw out before we head back to the phone lines related to what we were talking about, the importance of first and second down. 
here's just total first downs last season, Jeff. The Giants, 25th in the NFL. Just total first downs, 297. Now, to put things in perspective, the Rams, number one in the NFL, ultimately made the Super Bowl, 401. Wow. And the Patriots also were in the top 10 at 365. So when you're low, just in total first downs, I mean, that's a sign that the efficiency on first and second down is not where it should be. So that, to me, is the stat that the Giants need to target, and we've got to get better in that degree if they're having conversations amongst themselves as opposed to some of these other numbers that people may bring up here or there. And what are the what's what's what was uh, the Rams' third down conversion? Third down <clears throat> conversion rate. Let's see for the Rams. Fifth overall in the NFL, forty-five percent. Colts were number one, just to provide perspective, at forty-nine percent. So they were right up there. And New England was just outside the top ten at forty-one percent. And somebody actually asked a similar question a few weeks ago. You know, what would be a good target rate? for efficiency on third down. When you get to 40, I think you're in a very good position, Jeff. No question. You shoot for 50. I mean, it, it, again, nobody made it. But you Reach shoot, for the stars. But you, you do shoot for 50% in, in a game. Okay? Because statistically, knowing through 16 games, it's very difficult to get at 50%. Um, nobody did it. But it's a goal that you try to do it. Now, there's games where you know, you're 70% sometimes. It just so happens. There's games you're 10%. Less than 10%. Which is why the law of average is key. I mean, the Giants have been 1-11 one, one in 11 sometimes. I mean, it was it's yeah, really... Yeah, they've had rough games. No doubt about it. And it all goes back to those first couple downs. And, you know, so yes, I, I think a, a good goal is 50. But, you know, if you're once you hit the 40%, I think you're right on. Because to me, through 16 games, if you end up at 40-something percent, that means of those 16 games, maybe seven or eight of them, you were higher than 40% which equates to wins, winning football, third down conversions, yep. keeping the ball, and then going down and getting some points. Well, and here's a perfect example. I'm bringing up my third down charts from last season, mm -hmm. Jeff. This speaks to exactly what you just said. Week 5 at the Panthers, 0 for 7 on third down. No coincidence, they lost that game. Mm. Week 6 against the Eagles the following week, 4 of 14 on third down. Okay, no coincidence, so they lost that game. 20. Okay, now week 8 One. against the Redskins, 2 of 14. That was the game where Adrian Peterson had the big rushing touchdown late. 2 of 14, they were in that game. And then let me throw out one more example. Week 15 against Tennessee here at MetLife Stadium. Rough weather, but putting that aside, 3 of 16 on third down. And they lost all of those games that I just mentioned. Well, That's not a coincidence. It. You you will lose. You are definitely winning those, losing those games. There's no question when you're three of 16. No no doubt you're going to lose. There's no way unless the other team is less than that. <laughs> or Well, unless the other team turned the ball over five times yeah. and you scored touchdowns off of that, Jeff, I'd say it's going to be a very tough position to be in. Yeah, and I think that when, when this, if you go back and look at the games that the, this offense really rolled, and did well, look what their third down percentages are, and look at their turnover ratios. That's when you win games. Two very important statistical categories. Let's head back to the phone lines, 201-939-4513. We've got Dave in Cranford. Dave, Hi, Dave, welcome to the program. What do you have for us? Jeff, Jeff, Lance, how are you guys doing today? Wonderful. Well, Dave. What's happening? Good, good. Hey, Lance, I wanted to just highlight, because the last couple of days, it seems like there's been some of our famous callers kind of picking on the, on the offensive line and the depth and all that. And, you know, I had called in la a little while ago, Lance, and you, you made a great point. We, we talk a lot about um, the improvement over time 
with the left side of the line, in particular with Hernandez and Solder. But you brought the point um, around just kind of like, you know, juxtaposition of saying, hey, they got better and better, but they played together for 16 games. And you said, hey, guys, remember that Wheeler, who started in game three of the season, two of Flowers, and then we went to Houston, and he started that first game. He had three different guards next to him. Um, and, And really, if you look at, as a matter of fact, if you look at the Giants' statistics almost across the board, you can really see a difference in their offense you know, um, from week eight and beyond. Their statistics on almost every category are a lot different. Um, you know, not necessarily all that great either one, but 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 very different. And, and I thought it was a great point. And I guess the point that I was really trying to get to was that I think if Wheeler ends up being our backup or swing tackle, I, I think, you know, given that he had whatever that is, what's that, 14 games that he played last year, you know, um, his second year in the system, another year in the off-season program. You know, I'm not saying that I'd want to go into the season with him as my starting right tackle, but if you said to me that he had to come in and play two or three games here or there in order to fill in for a game or two, I, I, I think you could, in, in the league right now, look, look at it this way. The Redskins, at this point, possibly could be starting Eric Flowers as their left tackle in Washington, okay? John Jerry just re-signed. You know, Bobby Hart's in Cincinnati. I mean, there's not a whole lot of other quality. I think Wheeler is a, a pretty good backup in that in that role. Well, and that was my main point. If you look across the league, it's not as if every team has the luxury of an all-pro guy sitting on the bench just waiting for his name to be called. So, yeah, you're right. Players get recycled. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but guys get cut from one team, Jeff, right? You've seen it tons of times. And all of a sudden, they get starting opportunities elsewhere because the offensive line coach or that scheme thinks that they can tap in to some more of his potential. Now, in fairness, by the way, Bobby Hart played relatively well with Cincinnati last year, so he does deserve some credit. It wasn't as if, you know, it was just them taking a chance. I mean, he he actually, I thought, had a very respectable season with uh, what they had to deal with. But your point is well taken. There's no doubt about it, Dave, that the Giants, at at least the fan base, I think needs to put things in perspective, Jeff, and, and you can even, I think, shed more light on this, that every team doesn't just lose their starting left tackle and then a guy with two seasons of starting experience is waiting on the bench, ready to go. I mean, no. how many teams have that luxury, Jeff? Not Probably none. I mean, unless it's a veteran guy that's been there. Yeah, this is a, this is all about developing your depth and having guys there. And, you know, you're not going to – unless you, you are in, a, in a, a situation where you have a personnel director or a GM that says, you know what, the depth is going to be veterans. I want veteran guys. They're playing for veteran minimums. I love experience. That's what I want. Then, then they do that. But, I mean, how are you going to build your offensive line for the future if you don't have any young youth behind it being able to, to replenish what's going forward? So I think it is difficult. It is, But I, I agree. Wheeler is a guy you, you can plug and play him, okay? I mean, he's he played with a lot of different guys last year. He's used to having somebody different next to him, and he can certainly come in there and, and fill a void for as many games as you need, and he has to. Remember, Remmers is not a, a spring chicken. Yeah. So you got to understand to get him through 16 games being the right tackle is probably not going to happen. So I think you have to be extremely not excited, but happy the fact that you got Wheeler who played 14 games. If it was um, that you got a good experience backup and knows the system and knows and has the been exposed to That's the correct. system. He hasn't just been a backup yeah. throughout the course of yep. his career. So, you, you know, to me, the mindset of a backup is always 
if he needed to start two or three games, do you feel as if that player knows the system, is serviceable, and can hold up? Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the philosophy. It's not as if you're settling. It's just you have confidence that they're going to not hurt you or it's not going to come back to haunt you. You can get through X yeah. amount of games with that And player. in this situation, you can because you got a guy that started for you 14 games last year. Okay? And second half of the season, much better than the first half. And so that gives you some confidence there. Yeah, and, and I think the big, the big thing for me is I just, again, that's the, the backup and you, you add – you add pulley into that mm-hmm. mix, or sure. whether it's Jalapio. Either one, you know. Either one, you're going to have kind of the same the same result. Whoever the starter is, you, you've got somebody behind, you know, him that can, you know. So you really, so to me, it comes down to because I just don't know on the 53 that they can keep more than eight offensive linemen just because of other position groups. But so it comes down to really one more one more spot, whether it's Big George or or some of the other. You know, uh, a couple good centers slash guards that they have on the on the lineup today, but but again, I, I think the thing that's lost on on this team, and the reason that I would more confidently, even with losing Odell and losing Landon, I still think that this team going into the season um, has has a lot of confidence. You know, is is going to to hang their hat on the fact that. Because of the improvement, particularly on the interior of the offensive line, the the issue there is that you're you're benefiting the best player on the field, which is which is Barkley, and then you're really also benefiting the second most important player, or or maybe the most important player on the field, which is Eli or whoever's behind center in terms of just the time that they have, and and I think in a league where it's not about just establishing, you know the best players it's about the most value that i can get for those players because it's a salary cap sport so i have to make decisions between priorities and and i think the giants this year more than any time i think they've got it right so i'd love to hear your guys thoughts and and like always i always appreciate guys listening to me well and appreciate you calling in dave and and i think that's a really great point that he just raised at the tail end of his phone call and i'll take it a step further I, i think what he was tapping into jeff is decisions in the National Football League are made in a fraction of a second. So nobody's saying that you need an all-pro and a pro bowler at every position, but if the improvement of the offensive line gives Eli an additional fraction of a second, that could very well be the difference between a first down each and every game. Mm -hmm. The ability to move the football and continue a drive each and every game. That can't be overlooked. You can't break down football by just saying, well... You want to go from 17 to 24 points a game. It's baby steps. It's the minute details. And if the line gives you a fraction of a second for the quarterback to just wait just to get the timing down with the wide receiver so he could get open in separation, that could be an additional first down. If there's the difference of an offensive lineman getting to the next layer to allow Saquon Barkley to get an additional two yards, there you see production improve elsewhere. Yep. And also a fraction of a second could be the meaning of maybe an interception and not an interception and also injury. I mean, just, just one fraction of a second, you know, Eli doesn't get rid of the ball and he gets, you know, his arm gets hurt or something happens. It's just, it's, you gotta, you put your faith in that offensive line to give your quarterback time to operate. And believe me, it's a, it's, it's a game of inches and it's a game of fraction of seconds. Listen, punting, believe it or not, 
The the punt is 1.9 to 2.0 seconds. That's how fast it is by the time the ball is snapped to, to me catching it and kicking it. A field goal is 1.3 seconds, folks. Think about that. Snap to hold the kick is 1.3 seconds. 1,000 gone. <laughs> yeah, you better do something with it. You better be good at catching, putting it down, and get your hands out of there. <laughs> Let's head back to the phone lines. Brandon is in New Jersey. Brandon, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you have for us? Yes, what's going on? You didn't sound too pleased, man. But I'm gonna put my, I'm gonna, I'm gonna shed a little bit of light. What I think is going on, man. It's two things that I feel like is going to happen. I feel like the Giants is going to be overwhelmed of looking at Daniel Jones in many camp and training camp and rush him on the field. Everything that I'm hearing right now, Pat Sherman is changing his words. Everybody's dancing around the fact that, oh, well, Eli's going to be the starter, but now we said we're going to play the best player. Yeah, so that's telling me that players on the team might be thinking that Daniel Jones might be the best starter from from what I'm hearing. But Well, from who are you hearing yeah, that from? Let me finish my point. Let me finish my point first before you jump in. Well, I mean, in order to have a good conversation, Brandon, there has to be some back and forth. You made the claim that from what you're hearing. So what my question to you is, what's your source? Who exactly said the words NBC, that Daniel Jones NBC, is going to be the starter? The media. No, I'm not saying that he's going to be the starter. I'm NBC uh, pro football talk is saying that Pat Sherman is saying now he's dancing around his words, saying that, oh, well, Eli, he's going to be the starter, but we're going to play the best player. Like, do Daniel Jones have the mind that Eli has? Do he have the type of experience to get through the season that Eli – the boys should watch. It's, don't rush him on the field and ruin him. I, I like him too. Don't get me wrong. I like him. I think he's going to be a good player for us. But don't rush him and try to push Eli to the side and say, oh, well, he's the best player because you've been seeing him moving around in minicamp a little bit well. He kept the read option and ran – and it's a little bit oohs and ahs. Don't get caught up in all of that. Okay. Let's let let let's, yeah. let's think. And I don't think anybody disagrees with you, Brandon. And, and the reason why. Well, Brandon, I'll let you make your point. I'm bringing up that ProFootballTalk.com article. I'm not throwing you under the bus, but this is why it's important to read and and get direct quotes. And once again, this is not an indictment of you, but I'm reading the article and it specifically quotes Pat Shermer as yes, saying, "quote We're going to play the very best player." Okay, he does quote that. But they also quote from Shermer, we feel good where Eli is. He's our starting quarterback, and we've got a young player that we think is going to be an outstanding player getting himself ready to play, end quote. Now another quote. Now Shermer adds, quote, I'm not trying to be cryptic about it. It is what I said it is. Eli is getting ready to have an outstanding year, and Daniel is getting ready to play. That's really about it, end quote. I mean, once again, you you can look at the beautiful headline. Pat Shermer says Giants will play the very best I'm, player at quarterback. I'm saying historically, from what the GM been saying, and and I, I'm not going to put Pat Shermer too much in it because he I didn't really see him dancing around too much about what he was saying before about the Odell situation. That's long gone. But this past history shows this general manager never stands up to what. He said he's going to really say, yeah, Eli's going to be the starter. But before you know it, Eli probably thrown under the bus and we we throwing Daniel Jones out there week one. 
that could that could happen. I, I would say that that that's that pretty much a stretch. Listen, Brandon, is it? We will. Is it possible Daniel Jones, as Jeff mentioned earlier, gets into games because of how games play out this season? I don't think that's crazy. And is it possible if the Giants are in a blowout, regardless of what side of the equation it is, could Daniel Jones get in Week Two? I don't think that's crazy to speculate about. We got the easiest schedule in the league. There's no way we should be getting blown out. There's no way we should be losing games. It's just the simple fact that, or if, that, if that's the case, this team is just going to be just Well, back, once again, well, I, before I let you continue, Brandon, before you make claims that it's the easiest schedule in the NFL, just, just understand that that's based on records from last season, which is completely irrelevant okay, to 2019. Can I make my point? Sure, absolutely. Well. Yeah, okay. what do you got? My second thing with the offensive line, I believe that the starters is going to be Nate Soldier, Will Hernandez, P.O., you know, Zettler, and I believe they want Rimmers to win it. But I don't believe that Rimmers is too much better than Willer, like the guy was saying earlier. We don't know if he's too much better than uh, Chad Willer to beat out the position. Yeah, they want Rimmers to, to win the right tackle position, and I still believe that we still have two holes on the right tackle position and the center. Because I don't believe that P.O. showed me enough that he's a starter caliber center in this league. Now, until he showed me different, I still believe there's still a hole at center and at right tackle. So, and Pulley is not the answer as well, neither. So, it still might be a problem this year with the, with the offensive line. So, Giants fans might need to get ready for that and don't get too misunderstanding thinking that, Oh, we fixed everything in one year. Yeah, we got better, but let's let's see how things play out. Absolutely. Well, we we got to see out. these guys put the pads on. Most important, Brandon. We'll I, let you go I, on I that note. Like see, I would like to see Rimmer start at right tackle over Chad Willis. I would like to see that because I believe that's the best the best five out there. P.O. Zettler and uh, Rimmer's at right tackle, and we know. Uh, well, and, and Remmers has uh, much more experience, Brandon. I believe that would be the, the best starting <laughs> five, but I don't know if Remmers is too much better than Chad Willer or the or the kid that we drafted this year. I like his body frame and everything. How has he been doing this in camp? Well, one, once again, Brandon, and I'll let you go on that note and appreciate you waiting George? In. Big George, who he is referring to, they haven't put the pads on. So, I, I mean, for Jeff and I to sit here and tell you, boy, this guy looks unbelievable with his jersey and his shorts on, all that would be doing is adding hyperbole to the conversation. The true evaluation, Jeff, of offensive linemen comes during training camp sure. when they get the pads and on. The individual drills where they'll be able to exactly. go one-on-one, contact, and be able to evaluate the guys that. Or right now, their only their only evaluation is what they did in college, and maybe in some, you know, some of these senior bowl games where they were able to practice all week against other players going full speed. Right now, there's no full speed out here. There's no pads. There's, I mean, it's not a, it's not a great evaluation. The, the evaluation is going on some footwork. Are you able to comprehend what we're putting in front of you in meeting rooms and carrying it over to the football field, things like that. Okay, yeah, and it's black and white. As far as like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, it's all about contact. It has to be like throwing the football to receivers. Yeah, we can grade you for that because that's what you do. <laughs> exactly. It's it's very black and white. It's you know you run a route. I throw you the ball. You either catch it or you don't. Or I throw it over your head or I don't. That's really easy to evaluate that way.
No, I, I think it's spot on, Jeff, in terms of what you just said. Sometimes we read way too much into this time of the year. Real quickly before we head back to the lines, Dave, our great producer, providing additional context in terms of that last article that the last caller referred to. Shermer at his press conference today was asked this specific question. This is exactly how it was worded. Is there a scenario where Daniel can win the starting job in training camp? Oh that was an God. exact Who question, Jeff, these that questions? was posed this way. So, once again, this is how headlines get out of whack. So, this was Shermer's answer. Quote, I think we're going to play the very best player, and I know we are dancing around the words there. He even said we're dancing around the words there. Right now, Eli's getting ready to have a great year, and Daniel is getting ready to play. He was asked a specific question, and as opposed to giving a no-comment answer, Jeff, Mm -hmm. right, which a lot of coaches turn to, he gave an answer. He's going to give that He's going to give that answer sooner or later if people keep popping this question. Yeah. Over and over of and over. He is. Listen, folks, they. <laughs> Eli Manning, okay, is in the last year of his contract making 20 something million dollars. He is not sitting on the bench until he has to, period. And it's not going to happen in minicamp or OTAs. Is there going to be a decision made on it? I mean, come on. <laughs> Jeff, just just seriously, just, just for more chuckles. Here's two other questions, which I'm sure are going to get the blood pressure rising. Pat, can you see any scenario in which Jones is your starter in Week One? So, so they basically they took now yeah. a different wording of the question. Yeah, Eli so, Manning got hurt in the preseason. So, so Shermer, Shermer answers, "Oh, you never know what's going to happen." But as I said, Eli is getting ready to play, and so is Daniel. And then now a follow-up question. So, Eli is the starter. Okay, they wanted a firm answer. Quote, Eli is the starter, and this guy is getting ready to play, end quote. What I find comical is when you don't like how the first question is answered, try to tweak the words and see if maybe you can manufacture a better answer, even though you're asking the same exact question. This is what happens God in the midst of the God bless him offseason. for having patience. I yes. wouldn't have so much patience with that. First of all, I'd be like, I'd call a guy out, whether it was whoever it was or he or she. Why are you asking me this question every single day? I, what is going to change? There's nothing going to change. We've already told you that Eli is the starter. What else do you want us to do? Is Well, you know what? Daniel Jones is really throwing the ball so much better than Eli Manning in May and June. Is that a chance for he can? No, it's not a chance. It's not. It's unbelievable. Listen, this is my advice to fans <laughs> be, before we quickly head back to the lines here. If you have the time, and I understand everybody doesn't have the time, Every transcript is posted on Giants.com of every press conference Pat Shermer does, and more often than not, the video is up. Take the time to watch the full Q&A because quotes are taken out context. of context, Jeff. Correct. You know this, okay? You've they're, seen they're, this. Yes, they, they, they want to build the article so you will, list, you will read it. So the headline Bingo. says, Pat Shermer, whatever the headline was for Pro Football Talk, will play the best person at quarterback. Well, yeah. right now, who's the best person? You have a 15-year veteran at quarterback who's won two Super Bowls and two MVPs. I can tell you who the better quarterback at this juncture is right now. <clears throat> can't wait for the next headline tomorrow. Zach Diossi in line to be the starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Let's head back to the Lions. Andrew is in Massachusetts. Andrew, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Doing well. What do you got for us? Uh, just I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. I mean, I'm sure. a big fan of the Zeitler signing for sure. Sure. And I mean, I, I hope people I'm are. praying that Remmers, you know, pans out well. But I mean, I know a lot of good offensive lines over the years. You look back any year, Super Bowl winning teams, they might not be chock full of talent and Pro Bowl caliber, 
but a lot of the way it is is the way they mesh together and mm-hmm. everything. Yeah. And I know a lot of that is obviously built up through the consistency in playing each game. And, I mean, Remmers, obviously injury history and stuff. I just kind of wanted your guys' thoughts on, you know, how if maybe he's on like a week-by-week basis at some point, we got to throw Wheeler in there. Maybe like, I don't know, something like that, just how – how well you think they can stay consistent and how quickly they might be able to get that same kind of, you know, yeah. meshing t- of together that they're actually playing super well. Well, Andrew, it's a great question. We'll, we'll let you go on that note because we're going to wrap up the show, but we'll answer your question before we wrap up. Well, th- they're going to listen. Wheeler will get reps at number at, at once as long as – because, listen, Remmers is a veteran. He's got injury problems. They're going to be careful with him, okay? So he may not practice on Wednesday. And so Wheeler will be in there with the number one. So that's going to give him valuable practice time at, with the ones in case something did happen, how he's been practicing next to uh, Zeitler. Yeah. Uh, listen, chemistry is built over time. So yeah. the more reps they get out there, the more preseason games, the daily grind and training camp practice, I think hopefully will get to the point where the results are going to show up in the regular season. But right now, remember, limited physicality during OTAs, so there's only so much you could take away. With that being said, that is going to do it for the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. Try to address some of your tweets off the air. It's all presented by Coors Light. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. We'll speak to you tomorrow right here at noon Eastern on Giants.com. Have a good one.